0: On a seemingly regular Sunday morning in April of 1978, a ball of light mysteriously fell out of the sky and landed on Bell Island, a small former mining community off the coast of Newfoundland. The impact caused the boom so loud it could be heard from over 60 kilometers away. Although the damage caused by the impact was minor relative to the intensity of the blast, the event garnered worldwide attention. Experts differ as to the reason of the boom, but one thing they can all agree on is that it was some weird.
1: Welcome to the Some Weird Podcast. I am your co-host, Chrissy.
0: And I am your co-host, Barry. And today we are going to be talking about the Bell Island boom.
1: It's so weird. I never heard of it until we decided to do this.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing that, to me, personally makes it so weird. Is we could be from our front step to Bell Island in 90 minutes, and yet we've never heard of it. The story is definitely one that be talked about over a kitchen table at some point, but yet it never was.
1: Nope, never was.
0: The political climate of this era, I believe, lends credence to the actual event and the story itself.
1: Yes, for sure. And it definitely made it even more weird than it would have been. made
0: it some weirder.
1: Yeah, some weirder. So in 1978, actually a good chunk of the 20th century was the Cold War. Basically the period of time from the end of World War II up to when the USSR fell apart in 1991. At the end of World War II and throughout the Cold War, what happened was these two superpowers emerged, right? So you had the United States on one side and you had the Soviet Union on the other side. And they didn't get into a direct war with each other, like a hot war. Although they had like a whole bunch of proxy wars where like they would support whatever side they ideologically supported, but they never directly got in a fight with each other. So that's why it was called a cold war. Yeah,
0: it was one of those things where just building up, building up, building up. Yeah, nobody ever wanted to make that first move. It's like one of those fights where people get together and you throw the first punch. No, you throw the first punch. But everybody was getting ready in case the other person did throw the first punch. It was just a nonstop buildup of arms, basically.
1: Right. And there was always this possibility that someone is going to just snap any moment. So the two superpowers, they try to outdo each other with this arms race. There was a bunch of races going on in the Cold War. There was the much more fun space race. Um, Sputnik. Send them up there. Sputnik was uh, the first satellite, first man-made oh, I satellite. Oh, I thought
0: it was the monkey that came back super intelligent.
1: Did <laughs> Wait, they send
0: that, a monkey up and came back super intelligent?
1: What? Nah, that, well, no, that...
0: <laughs> Basically what they're doing is they're seeing who could be the first one to get on the moon so that they can have bragging rights.
1: Yeah, the space race was probably way more fun than the arms race. Because the arms race is really trying to see who can develop the most destructive weapon. Who can As blow
0: to, up the most stuff?
1: Yes. Do you know what Dude Perfect is? Like those guys. Trying I to know Mr. Dude. Perfect. What's Mr. Perfect?
0: Mr. Perfect was a wrestler from the eighties and nineties. Oh
1: of course he was.
0: Kurt Hinning, Mr. Perfect, Intercontinental Champion.
1: What kind of self esteem does someone have to call himself Mr. Perfect?
0: He was great at every sport. He could hit the three throws. He could play goaltender.
1: He sounds awesome. Anyway, thank you for throwing in that wrestling reference. You you knew it was coming. (laughs) I did, and I don't even remember Mr. Perfect. So they wanted to create, like, the biggest, baddest weapon, and they're like, we have enough to blow you up, right? And it's not a secret to anybody. It's right out in front.
0: So basically... On both sides, especially even myself growing up in Newfoundland in the 80s, the thought was that at any time the button could be pushed and the big bad Mm -hmm. Russians were going to blow us up.
1: Yes. Whether you were in the superpower or in the non-superpower, you were living under this looming threat of what they call mad, mutually assured destruction. There's a super warm, fuzzy feeling going on with that. (laughs) And if the Cold War was to break out into a hot war directly between the superpowers, everyone is toast. Basically, the the
0: Third War was ever fought, the Fourth World War would have been between sticks and stones. That was the saying. It was was a lot more elegant than that. I can't remember the exact quote, but...
1: I thought it was between cockroaches and Keith Richards.
0: (laughs) That's probably more accurate. (laughs)
1: Um, This is terrifying. There's a term called broken arrow, and that is used for nuclear accidents. So like missing missiles and stuff. Oh. And during the Cold War period, there were a bunch of these broken arrows. And still to this day, there's six missing nuclear warheads. Nobody knows really? where they are. Yes. Wow. It's freaking terrifying. But I digress. So we're living in this fear of mutually assured destruction. And it seems like nobody would actually push that button because you're not destroying your enemy. You're destroying yourself as well. But we do get close to it a few times. And like the most famous case is the Cuban Missile Crisis. Basically, American spies find Soviet missiles on Cuba. It's 90 miles away from the American coast. Kennedy flips out and he puts us up to DEFCON 2.
0: He's like, nah boy, you're not having them there.
1: It was 13 days of everybody being like, we are going to die. And we're at DEFCON 2. Eventually they work it out. They get on their super secret phones and they're like, We'll take our missiles out of Cuba, you take your missiles out of Turkey, and we're all good. Yeah. DEFCON, it actually means Defense Readiness Condition. That's what it stands for. Okay. And to give you an example of how close we are to blowing everything and everybody up is, like I said, Kennedy puts us to DEFCON 2. After 9-11, when we were actually attacked here, you know, on American soil, and 3,000 Americans died, we were at DEFCON 3. Wow. Yes.
0: Wasn't there a story where there was a couple of Russians who were actually, like, three of them had to push a button to, to actually launch the missile, and two of them did, and the third guy wouldn't do it or something like that?
1: For sure. I definitely heard that, but uh, it didn't... I don't know. Does that hold water to you? Like, I can't... I wouldn't no. see a soldier not following, especially it was war propaganda on steroids, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but I also wouldn't doubt it. Like, it's kind of anything was possible. But, but either but,
0: way, we, we were... Darn close to blowing the, each other up.
1: Very close. So, throughout the Cold War, there's periods of warming, there's periods of cooling. It's not always in everybody's forefront, but it's always sort of bubbling under the surface.
0: It was definitely in everybody's mind that this could happen at any point.
1: Exactly. So, this is where we are in 1978 in Belle Island. You know, it affects us there just as much as Washington, I guess.
0: So, let's get into the Belle Island boom itself. It was a Sunday morning. It was uh, around 11 a.m. on uh, April 2nd, 1978. People were coming back from church. People were getting ready for that big Jigs dinner that they eat every Sunday. And what happens? A big ball of light comes down and a big boom happens.
1: And everybody is like, what the Mary Brown's fried chicken has just occurred? Um,
0: people that were there, they said that they heard like a tone coming before the, the ball actually hit. It was like a whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. People across the bay who were watching... said they saw a ball of light just come out of the sky and just hit the island.
1: The mainlanders of Newfoundland were doing their Sunday morning activity of gazing at Belle Island.
0: Because that's what everybody does. Everybody wants to look at Belle Island and just envy the people that live there. It's
1: a beautiful place. It was attacked by the the Germans in World War II. It it was. It's got uh, got value.
0: Yeah, so Belle Island in its history, in the 40s, was attacked by the Germans. And in the 70s, a ball of light attacked it. So maybe it's not the greatest place to live. (laughs)
1: Maybe that's why the population really decimated it. wasn't the mine closing. It's like all the friggin' attacks every couple of decades. Yeah,
0: so I'm getting out of here.
1: Getting across the yeah. tickle right quick.
0: <laughs> getting across that tickle. Yeah. So anyway, this, this ball of light, it landed in an area called Lance Cove. And when it did, uh, a lot of strange stuff started happening. Stoves were blowing up. Fuses were flying out of panels. 18-inch flames were shooting out of uh, outlets. Okay. <laughs> So
1: Mass hysteria.
0: Mass hysteria. So you can imagine the old skipper sitting at his table having a cup of tea, and all of a sudden he looks over and a big flame shoots at him.
1: I literally imagine the old skipper sitting at the kitchen table listening to the OzFM Irish Newfoundland show, and a flame shoots out of his wall, and he goes, what in the Jesus just happened there?
0: <laughs> I picture, I really do, a guy having to smoke in his mouth, and he sees the flame and he tries to light it with the cigarette. <laughs> Lights like for the darts. So anyway... When this thing hits the ground, it's like in a microsecond, 10 megatons of energy is dispersed. And that's enough to light up a city the size of Montreal for six hours. So that's the kind of intensity that it was. We're talking Hulkamania power intensity. A blast of this intensity is something that garners interest, and it garnered interest from Ottawa. So the National Defense actually picked up on this and called up the Prime Minister and said, Hey, yo, Bell Island just blew up. What are we going to do about that?
1: Prime Minister goes, hang on now. Let me get the Queen on the phone.
0: Yeah. She sends the Governor General. (laughs) She sends Prince Harry over. And he defects from the royal family right then and there. He showed
1: up super late. Like 40 years too late.
0: No, what actually happens is the National Defense, okay, we better get someone to have a look at this. So they send a fire marshal. So that's what the National Defense of Canada decides to send (laughs) to look at a uh, 10 megaton blast as a fire marshal.
1: One dude on a Sunday morning trying to like get ready for his jigs. What was his name?
0: James Farrell. He decides to go to the Bickford residence. So the Bickford residence was where this blast, for the most part, hit hit down. Right. Mm-hmm. So he he goes to this uh, residence in his house, and what he sees is something he's never seen in his entire career of fire marshalling for the National Defence of Ottawa, the Bellahand Division. He sees a chicken coop that is just decimated because whatever this ball of energy just kind of just blew it up. He mm-hmm. sees a bunch of chickens that were in this chicken coop that are all dead, electrocuted. Bleeding from the eyes and mouth. Mm-hmm. He sees electrical wires outside the Bickford home that insulation is just melted off it. And he sees all kinds of things that he's never seen before in his life.
1: I would be more concerned if he went there and said, oh, I see this kind of thing all the time.
0: <laughs> Another one of these. That was not the case at all. He actually spoke to, uh, I guess, the Bickford's grandson who was there. And the grandson explained that he saw a big three-foot sphere of light appear before him once this boom hit. And it just kind of just dissipated out of nowhere. So, he, you know, he just, he just, as soon as the boom hit, he saw it. The kid said he thought it was going to be the end of the world. A big ball appeared in front of him, and then it just disappeared. Sound. So, yeah. So, on the Bickford residence, there was three holes in the ground that was made from this mass of energy. Two were four foot in diameter, and one was a rabbit hole in diameter, the standard unit of measure for uh, energy blasts that fall out of the sky. They dug these up. They had a look. There's nothing of significance in it. They wanted to see maybe it was like a TNT or something like that.
1: Maybe meteorite.
0: Meteorite's probably a good thing, but there was nothing there to suggest that it was a meteorite. So the government, in their wisdom, said, you know what? Maybe we should send more than Mr. Farrell and his, uh, his fire marshal abilities from the National Defense. Maybe we should send somebody else. Mm-hmm. So they got the uh, intelligence department of the uh, RCMP.
1: Now you're into it. The cops are it. coming. They're going to the arrest the whole...
0: So they do their investigation, that's fine, and everything, people are looking and seeing what's going on. Mr. Bickford says he don't know what it is. Mr. Farrell says he don't know what it is. And then the story gets super interesting. So Mm -hmm. the next day, officials show up from the Los Alamos Laboratory in New Mexico. This group actually are the same people that developed the atomic bomb back in the 1940s. So the two people they send are, one is a physicist and one is a weapons expert. So they want to see a weather event or whatever the case may be. In addition to these individuals, a Soviet official arrives with American and Canadian military personnel to do an investigation. The Los Alamos group, the reason they were sent there is that they have a a VALA satellite system developed to measure uh, missile attacks and that type of thing. But Mm -hmm. it also measures mass energy blasts in the sky. Mm -hmm. And the one they picked up here, and the one that landed on Belle Island, was a bigger emission than the one that went off during the Hiroshima bombing of the atomic bomb. So it was actually a very significant event that they wanted to check out. So the military personnel, they interview Mr. Farrell, the fire marshal, and he interviewed the RCMP just to get their side of the uh, story or their uh, investigation findings. The fire marshal, he actually took some items from the Bickford residence, debris, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they got a medical briefcase, opened it up, put the stuff in the briefcase, closed it up, and left.
1: That's seriously shady. You don't know what the items were, do you?
0: No, it didn't say what they were. It just said some various things. I'm assuming
1: effects. at least one chicken corpse. At least a, chi- a chicken, yeah. One, one of those fuses chicken. that blew off into the yeah. wall, maybe. Probably uh. the
0: cigarette that he tried to light off the fire if they shoot it out of the, f- <laughs> out of the uh, outlet. Uh. I'm guessing they're, tr- they're trying to measure for radiation and that type of thing would be, would be my assumption. So all these people show up. They do investigation. They talk to the RCMP, the fire marshals, Los Alamos, weapons experts. And the conclusion they all come up with? Ball lightning. They say in the official investigation that eyewitnesses of accounts of fireballs, streaks of light, sounds that happened before the blast happened, all that kind of stuff is unreliable because nobody can see it. It's only hearsay. So all that stuff was just basically thrown out as as it like it never happened.
1: Okay. So they probably think that people are backfilling their memories. Exactly. It's kind of believable that that could happen. For sure. Right. But still, the ball lightning thing? I don't know.
0: So ball lightning, just so everyone's aware, is a weather phenomenon that scientists and meteorologists cannot even come to an agreement to what it actually is.
1: Or even if it is.
0: If it is. So they don't know if it does exist. If it does exist, how is it formed? What right. does it look like when it is formed? Yet it is the official reason for the bell Allen boom.
1: See, that alone is a conspiracy theory.
0: Exactly. So again, this is where we were in the world. There was a uh, a lot of fear of a nuclear attack between two rival superpowers. So in 1977, all of a sudden, a lot of booms started happening up and down the seaboard. 600, in fact, were were recorded. A lot of them had to do with uh, an aircraft, I believe was the Concorde.
1: Yeah, the Concorde was a a commercial flight, you know, a passenger flight that went between North America and Europe. And it was a supersonic plane. It was incredibly expensive to fly on, which is probably one of the reasons why it no longer operates. So it's about, if you were going to go from like Paris to New York, it was about $12,000 $12,000 in today's money. Wow. So a lot of people that reported these booms, they, what do you do? Do you call 911? I don't know. Whatever. They reported it somehow. And uh, the Department of Defense, they investigate and they find that almost all of them are caused by the Concord. Exactly.
0: There were a few that were unexplained or had a little bit more questionable They weren't Concord related that they couldn't quite figure out. One of the most interesting ones was in New Jersey. There's this one gentleman who was asleep in his bed. And the fire alarm went off mm-hmm. out of nowhere. So he woke up and said, what's that going on? And he got up and he looked out of his uh, sliding doors and he saw a big three-foot sphere of blue light. And it just disappeared after a second. That one was efficiently said. I believe it was a transformer blown. But I think it was Optimus res- Prime. It was Optimus Prime. <laughs> 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 Optimus Prime did that one. There was a transformer blown, yet there was no report to the uh, power company that that was a thing. People said it could have been a weather thing. There was a meteorologist that was interviewed, and he said there was no atmospheric conditions for a weather-related event that would cause uh, an outage like that. So uh, it was one of the ones that were unexplained that were very interesting.
1: What would people be experiencing that would explain this blue light? Maybe it was a ghost? I don't know. And
0: I, I think we both can agree that it definitely wasn't ball lightning. But what, 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 what? Say what? What was it?
1: I'm sorry, are you having a stroke? Would you like me to call the fire marshal?
0: Okay, <laughs> James Farrell please uh, go to Portugal Cove?
1: He's been over in Belle Island all these years just waiting to get back over for another emergency. <laughs> this is it.
0: <laughs> the last thing those people said to him was, you can never leave this island. <laughs> He's been there ever since. I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but I really don't think it was bottle of lightning. So what could it have been?
1: <laughs> You're not having a stroke, are you?
0: I am not having a stroke, no.
1: <laughs> Excellent. All right, let's continue. So, yeah, I don't think it was ball lightning. It could be a thing, but it seems so unlikely that I think there's probably a better scientific explanation for it. So I think
0: they just said, we have to come up with something. So let's yeah. just say this. It was a weather event. Don't look it up.
1: Nobody asked any questions. They might have needed to leave kind of right away yeah. and they needed to wrap it up. Yeah, no, I don't think it was ball lightning. But I think they probably were like, you know what? It's not a bomb right nothing too bad happened r.i.p chickens maybe they were just like it's not worth our time you know to continue to to look at this
0: i think they were pleasantly surprised when he got there and said oh look the place isn't a nuclear wasteland that's a good thing
1: yeah that would be my reaction i would think so i think there's a better explanation there's a lot of crazy theories one of the ones that might be plausible um i saw it on the uh, sci-fi show called weird or what
0: well it's not a sci-fi show it has to be plausible
1: Yes, and it was hosted by William Shatner.
0: And that just adds credibility to it right there.
1: I mean, he's been to space. Yeah. So
0: Did he Did he make out with a green chick in the show?
1: No, but he put a bunch of stuff in a blender for some reason, and it uh, shorted out the wiring as part of... <laughs>
0: <laughs> did his chickens die?
1: I, I don't think he put a chicken... I don't know what he put in there, but that was the segue into this story. Him blowing fuses by turning on a blender. Anyway, aside from Shatner, they had this guy called uh, Lee Tizard on there. He was an electromagnetic weapons researcher. I don't know how one gets this job, but it sounds amazing. So he thinks that this Bell Island boom was caused by something called the Russian woodpecker signal. This was something that was actually nicknamed by the Western intelligence and by the ham radio people. That's very important. They have power <laughs> in this. I don't know, but they called so the, the wood-
0: 1978 Bell Island Boom has to do with the ham radio people.
1: Everyone is involved. It got chickens. It got ham radios. It got Russians. It's got everything. <laughs> they call it the woodpecker signal because it sounds like a woodpecker. I don't know. They're not creative people. What do you want from me? This is what it's all about. Radar, apparently, from what I've read, cannot detect a missile that was launched if it's launched from beyond your horizon. So if the Russians have radar on ground, they're not going to see a missile being launched from the United States. If you believe the world is round, then that's not going to happen for you.
0: If you don't believe the world is round, go to Fogo Island.
1: That's right. I would actually like to go to Fogo Island and walk around the corner. (laughs) I would too. (laughs) That's another story. We'll we'll save
0: that for a future episode.
1: Flat earthers are fascinating. Okay, the Russians know that you can't use radar to detect missiles from beyond the horizon. So what they do is they create this early detection system called DUGA. DUGA are a series of gigantic radar arrays. And instead of just like looking to the horizon, it sends a signal, the woodpecker signal, up to the ionosphere. And then it bounces back down. And then they use super science. And they can analyze if a missile is being launched from beyond the horizon. So it's like a Cold War solution to a Cold War problem. One of these radar arrays was in Chernobyl. <laughs> and, Perfect location. Well, it was 1978, right? So the Chernobyl disaster was 1986. And there's actually people who think that the Chernobyl accident was not an accident, but it was at least partly to destroy one of these Duga uh, radar arrays. I don't think that's the case because Chernobyl wasn't the only location; it was in other places too. You
0: know what I say to those people? Ha 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 That's people... my Woody Woodpecker.
1: <laughs> that's your woodpecker signal. So the theory with the woodpecker signal is, over time, these waves they get built up and they sort of like fall on top of each other and they bunch up and they they create uh, like a cyclone of electromagnetic energy. So it doesn't disperse beyond the atmosphere, so they build up. And because of the location of, like, Russia and United States on Earth, the prime place for these to kind of fall on top of each other and create this cyclone of energy is approximately over North America. If that is a thing, it's forming pretty close to an island that's made out of iron ore, which is basically a magnet, and it drew down that electromagnetic energy to the island creating a boom, creating those two giant holes in one rabbit hole. And because the island is made out of iron ore, dispersed all the energy out.
0: And it does make sense. And then all of a sudden, Russian people shows up the next day to say, OK, what has Woody done this time?
1: Exactly. They're like, "Um, oh, this wasn't supposed to happen. But maybe they were like, this wasn't supposed to happen. But I wonder what it did. Maybe it blew up some stuff and we can use it for something else. I don't know. I think a lot of things are uh, discovered accidentally.
0: For um, sure. Go throughout history, things that are found accidentally. Penicillin, for example.
1: If that's true, like if that energy builds up and kind of folds in on itself, I can buy that.
0: It definitely sounds more plausible than a fictional weather event that nobody can explain.
1: The Sasquatch of Weather.
0: So, another interesting theory is around electromagnetic pulse. It was presented in a documentary I watched called The Invisible Machine. Barbara Doan and John Wheaton wrote this documentary. And basically, it's about how to use electromagnetism as a weapon. Back in the 40s, they were doing, uh, in Los Alamos, they were doing uh, experiments of the atomic bomb. So they were detonating nuclear reactions just to see kind of what would happen in a controlled environment.
1: Why do these people get paid for that? Would you ever do it?
0: It would have to be a lot of money. And I guess they're trying to save the world, I suppose. there's a patriotic part of it at the time. Yeah, there, there must be some kind of hazard pain involved with that. Uh, what do you do? do oh, it. I test nuclear bombs.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't do it for the love or the money.
0: You have to be a special person to do this kind of work. But anyway, it had to be done, and, and people were doing it in Los Alamos. So they were testing this, and they had all kinds of electronic equipment so they could measure the blast and the intensity and, I guess, radiation that was caused. But what they found was that when this bomb would go off or when this blast would go off, all the electronics that they had to measure the blast blew up or stopped working, so they couldn't get the measurements. So when this nuclear reaction happened, the electromagnetic pulse was created. And when that mm. pulse was created, it turned out it could fry computer chips. So okay. they decided, you know what? If we can weaponize this part of it and not kill a million people, but knock out all their computer systems, their navigation systems, their radar systems, mm-hmm. this would be a very advantageous weapon to develop.
1: Morally, it's probably better to shag up everybody's stuff rather than, you know, murk them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the nuke them, the nuke the whales.
1: Nuke the whales?
0: You got to nuke, so- nuke something. Says a Simpsons reference. To your point, though, yeah, it's probably a lot better than the blow up a bunch of electronics that can be replaced. You know, the, mil- the military application of something that could, especially now, I mean, certainly not in the 40s or even the 70s, but now if you can wipe out electronic equipment before you go into attack, it's obviously going to give you strategic advantage. It's seen as the evolution of war. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can go in, you can take out the electronics, and then you go in and attack somebody blind. So, you know, you go back to 1978, the theory is that the Russians were trying to send an electromagnetic pulse to Cuba just to try and test it to see, you know, the range and how far they can send one of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes over Belle Island, gets sucked down by the same thing as, as the woodpecker theory, is that the island is all iron ore. It gets attracted to it, it gets sucked down, and boom, you get the 10 megaton blast.
1: Literally boom.
0: Failed military experiment would explain why a bunch of military officials showed up. Why a bunch of people from Los Alamos that actually discovered this showed up.
1: I could buy that one too, for sure.
0: There's been unsubstantiated reports from the New York Post, I believe. The guy had a uh, the guy who was in this movie. He had a uh, a source in the military, and they said that in the 2003 war in Baghdad, uh, there was a lot of reports that all the lights went out in Baghdad before a uh, Tomahawk cruise missile was launched, and they believed the missile launch caused the electromagnetic pulse, which knocked out a bunch of stuff in Baghdad.
1: Like on purpose, it was knocked out. Like on purpose, yes. Oh, okay. on purpose.
0: They fired the missile, knocked out the electronics, moved in. Okay. And took over Baghdad.
1: Well, that makes sense because if it's true, now you have the element of surprise. I don't know which theory I like better, actually.
0: There's a couple other theories that we'll just quickly touch on because I don't think there's a lot of relevance to them. But there's one about weather control. They believe there's experiments being done on weather control. It was certainly done in the Vietnam War by the Americans. There's a layer in the atmosphere called the ionosphere. If you can manipulate that, you can theoretically change the weather. There's been a lot of treaties since the Vietnam War that's been signed before 1978, saying that you cannot do weather experiments for military purposes. That's good advice. Yeah, so don't don't. Yeah, that's probably good advice. Weather. Climate change is a real thing, and I'm sure this wouldn't help it. There's one other theory that I really think is really out there, and and, and you know I believed the ball lightning theory before this. It's about mind control, and this theory is basically that uh, your mind works at triggering electrical reactions to our brain. There's been studies on using electrical waves in the atmosphere, being able to manipulate human behavior by manipulating the uh, electronic charges in the air.
1: I think I believe ball lightning more than this, too. It's almost, you can buy it with the whole, like, your brain works on electric pulses, right? I, that's true, I guess. But I don't know. I don't think anyone has any weapons to use mind control. Plus the Bell Island people weren't zombies, right, afterwards.
0: Yeah, I think that's the most telling reason why this is what...
1: Yeah. That's a uh, that's just uh, a logical right conclusion, there. right? If A plus B does not equal C, then A never happened.
0: So what did you think it was?
1: I don't know exactly what it was. I don't think it was ball lightning. I definitely don't think it was mind control. Agreed. That, that has whacked out Pooh Brain. But I think it was probably the unintended result of a military experiment. I don't know which theory I like better, the woodpecker theory or the invisible machine. But I think it was one of those or something in between where they were trying to do this thing. As a result, this boom happened unexpectedly. They had to go kind of check it out to see what happened, I guess, like whatever the result was. That's what I think it is. Why it never happened again is a question.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting that, uh, you know, between 1977 and 1978, there was a lot of booms happening up and down the um, eastern seaboard. And it seemed to stop around 78. So, I mean, there's there's things that, you know, the Concord flights and things like that. But to your point, uh, they stopped happening, so it, that makes you think that they stopped doing these experiments. Could be. But like I said, if it was a weather phenomenon, it you know just happened this one period of time, it never happened before, never happened since, that's really a weak explanation in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I, I think it was a weather no, weather event. I think it was a military <laughs> You're experiment. You're not agreeing with me there. <laughs> I've, I've convinced myself. No, I think it was some sort of military experiment. I'm not sure yeah. if it was like the, based like the woodpecker theory. I'm not sure if it was like the uh, visible machine or something else or some kind of variation but i definitely think they were experimenting with electromagnetism or electromagnetic pulses and however they're doing it whatever they're doing it whether it was the russians whether it was the americans whether it was somebody else something went wrong uh it happened on bell island david said we better go check this out this could be a catastrophe luckily it wasn't they're Mm -hmm. like oh okay we 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 got away pretty scot-free on this considering we lost a few chickens that's what we lost right all the experts uh do not think it was a military thing. Uh, Dr. Gordon MacDonald uh-huh. was a person who did the studies on all the booms. He says that there's no evidence to suggest that it was any kind of military experiment. He believes it is weather-related. Uh, there's another doctor named Frederick Winterberg. Uh, he believes it was some kind of lightning event. Uh, he doesn't think there's any military uh, things behind it.
1: What do you mean there's no evidence? What about the military showing up?
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's pretty good evidence, but they, they <laughs> say based on what they saw and readings they had, they think that it was a weather-related event and it was not in no way military-related.
1: I think they were paid off by the government.
0: Yeah, I would think. Yeah, they were told to say that for sure.
1: No, I mean, I'm I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Nor am I, I. I I find it interesting, but I I do think it was some military stuff, and then probably why we don't see it again. Lightning wouldn't strike twice. <laughs> 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 not not real lightning, proverbial lightning, and then I think that they probably moved their testing forward technologically so like do you remember do you remember star wars not the movie i'm not crazy but like the reagan star wars yes yeah where they were going to make like a force field over the united States. so i think that testing and and technology and and espionage went beyond the technology that uh created this bell island boom and that's probably why you haven't seen anything uh, like that since
0: yeah, I think they're doing whatever the military experiment was, I don't know, but it happened, mm-hmm. an event happened in Belle Island and almost blew the place up. They got together and said, boss, we, we can't be doing this no more. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to cause a real problem here if we, if we keep right. doing that to stuff.
1: We were lucky this time. So, yeah, it's a very weird story. No matter what the cause is, it's very weird. Even if it was lightning, it struck someone's house and blew up their chickens and shot fire out of their wall. It's a crazy story. I would actually love to hear if anybody remembers it or if you have your own crazy theory. You can email us at someweirdpodcast at gmail.com or we also have a Twitter account at SomeWeirdPod. So I would love to hear some insight about the Bell Island boom.
0: There has to be somebody here to know somebody that was on Bell Island in 1978. So, Gotta be. Uh, I'm sure the people on Bell Island remember it.
1: Alan Hocko, I'm looking at you. Ask your fodder what happened. Now look.
0: <laughs> it definitely classifies as some weird, and uh, it's a great story. And uh, it's definitely one that I'm glad we spent a few minutes talking about.
1: Yeah. If you like the show, please subscribe where wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you didn't like this show feel free to still subscribe and listen ironically we don't care (laughs) um if you do like it give us a review let us know what you think and if you have any episode ideas shoot us an email
0: yeah listen to us tell a friend and uh we'll catch you next time
1: some weird bye
0: some weird
1: uh don't come here for like serious facts we're doing our best right